Hey Savvy Citizen listeners, it's Adam Gobb. Today on the show, we're taking you behind the scenes of a big project happening here in Gaston County. It's called Riverbend Preserve, and we're talking with Jamie Cambrillo-Glue, whose name I really try not to butcher in this episode. And she's telling us a little bit about what it's like going through the planning and zoning process in Gaston County, and what it was like specifically with the Riverbend Preserve project bringing this to life. you know Savvy Citizen now has a live music series? Check out the monthly episodes of Savvy Sounds, where we bring you original music and interviews with musicians from in and around Gaston County. View it on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Just search for the Savvy Sounds playlist. The red light's on. That must mean that we're here for another edition of the Savvy Citizen podcast. I'm Adam Gobb, alongside Janet Schaefer. Hello. Actually, across the table from Janet (laughs) Schaefer. You you can't see our studio, but we've got boxes along the wall. So she's sitting over there instead of today's guest, which is Jamie Kanberoglu. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. Oh, gosh. Good. Okay. So Jamie's our planning and zoning director and has been with the county for several years. And uh, we're talking to her today about the Riverbend Preserve Project um, and using that as kind of a catalyst just to talk about kind of work that planning and zoning and the larger building and development services department does. Um, if you pay attention at all to, to Gaston County um, and, and what our board commissioners does, there was a big project that came before the board a few months ago. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are interested because it's a, it's a big residential development. Um, it's up in the very kind of northeast part of our county. And so it's an area that um, I think a lot of people are probably interested in because it's, it's near the water. It's, um, but it's not within any city limits. And so um, all the development there falls to us. Um, so, Jamie, maybe just give us a little bit of background about, like, how that project came to be. Because that, that thing was a long time coming, right? It was. It was. It um from what I understand, it started back in 2019, and that is when the developers originally approached the county about wanting to do this development. Um, but as some of you may know and some of you might not know, um, there's a lot of things that go into making a development this large even come before the commissioners to do a rezoning. Um, my understanding is that they kind of had to work out some kinks with utilities and the um, NCDOT to kind of make sure that they got all of the access they needed for what they were wanting out there. Um, and then because that was 2019, 2020 hit, and that kind of put a pause on all of the developments that we saw um, Wait, really what happened everywhere. in 2020? Oh, you know, just a global pandemic. <laughs> oh, that's the thing I'm blocking out actively in my mind. Okay, cool. So that, um, that kind of put a pause on a lot of different projects that we had going on. Um, everybody out of the office. It, it really just halted a lot of different things. Um, but this project came back to us in December of last year when the um, developer had approached us. They had already taken it through to Lincoln County. Hmm. So um, that was kind of one of those things where we said, oh, I guess it's our turn um, because this is a project that splits the county lines. Uh, the major or the top part of it is mostly in Lincoln County, and then we've got the bottom part of that top parcel, and then the residential part, along with some commercial par- parcels as well. So it's a it's a what you would call like a multi-use development. Absolutely, yes. Okay. It's residential, commercial, and industrial all on one site. And I mean, to a certain degree, like it it's not necessarily a project where it's like, oh, we're building an apartment complex on like the second floor and we're going to have like some shops on the first floor sort of thing. It's more like single family houses and then some bigger 
industrial type projects that are going to be kind of near it essentially right correct um when the residents spoke out about this project they really were against that mix the traditional idea of what you think of mixed use living would be your commercial on the bottom residential areas on the top Mm -hmm. so each use is very separated Um, you've got one section that is going to be townhouses another section that'll be a little bit more um Commercial, but we call it kind of like a um, the commercial uses that go well with residential uses. So um, nothing too big, nothing warehousey. Um, but then you'll have your industrial site, which is going to be typically manufacturing, and then you've got two larger sections that are all single-family homes. Are there any local developments that are similar? Just for uh, context, the one that I can think of. Um, it doesn't have an industrial piece, but I automatically think of McLean okay. over there in Belmont. Um, they've got a lot of residential pieces, single-family homes, plus the townhouses that they're building now. And then they have a large out parcel for um, commercial development. Well, and when you talk about industrial pieces, it's not always necessarily like huge factories with smokestacks sort of thing. Like the industrial uses are pretty wide and varied, right? Yes, absolutely. And they did put some kind of conditions on these to limit the uses so that they weren't high traffic uses or high noise uses or anything oh, like that. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So uh, from that standpoint, and I know that like one of the, the conversation pieces was, you know, when you're putting in like the the zoning for an industrial project and commercial project, in addition to the housing, there's traffic concerns, right? Yes. Um, what is that like, not only on this project, but other projects, because the county doesn't control that part of it. Like that's all through NCDOT, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, so for a project of this scale, we require, um, it even the state requires what we call a um, traffic impact analysis. So this project, because it was spanned over so many different years, they actually went ahead and requested that analysis to be done back in 2019. Um, and those kinds of analyses take into consideration what's already existing, the projects that are already on queue, because most developments have to request this type of um, analysis anyways. So the NCDOT has that list of, you know, what's upcoming, how's this going to impact, and they run all of their numbers um, to decide what the traffic impact will be and what the mitigation efforts need to be in order to handle that traffic load. Um, So that's all very NCDOT-based. We do have a transportation planner who looks over everything and kind of gives his opinions on it. Um, But all of that will kind of be coordinated through the DOT and what they require. And for those folks that watch any of our videos and see any of the stuff we do in Spanish, that's Juan Garcia. So he actually does a real job here. He's not just (laughs) our our impromptu Spanish language translator for for anything that we need to put out for the county. So yes, he has, he has a real job and he's fantastic at it. So, okay. How big is this project? How much space? Okay. Let's see. Um, Huge. (laughs) So for residential units, we're starting with um, development area B has 400 houses. Area C is 175 houses. And then area D is 150 lots. And then overall, the entire acreage for the whole development area is 447 acres. Oh, wow. Right, yeah. But a lot of it is not going to be developed. It's going to stay wetlands. It's going to stay floodplain. Oh, that's There's cool. a lot of open space. Um, the houses are going to be um, kind of clustered together. We call it cluster development. Mm-hmm. Those sections are going to be tight 
development, but there's going to be still be a lot of open space. There are public hearings to review, kind of review these developments and make sure the public has a chance to comment on, on these developments before yes. they're approved, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the common questions you're getting from residents? With projects like these, it always comes down to traffic, schools, emergency mm-hmm. services, um, open space and the environment. So we have public information meetings, which are interest meetings for residents before they even go to the Board of Commissioners or the Planning Board. Oh, okay. Um, and this is kind of where those questions get first brought up. Mm-hmm. And that gives the developers, the applicants, anybody on that team, plus our staff, kind of a chance to figure out, okay, what are their biggest concerns? And then we take the time between the public information meetings and our public hearings to really kind of do the research and see how we are going to best address their concerns. And then we always want to make sure that we have somebody from each of the departments that um, oversees those different aspects of the plan to be at the public public hearing so that they can address all of their questions. So that's great. So you have public interest meetings before you can start planning it so that the public's concerns are already Mm -hmm. baked into the development Mm -hmm. of the project. That's awesome. Yes. There's multiple ways for people to get involved and get their voices heard when it comes to these big rezonings. Right. If you live kind of in the general area, do you get like letters to your house or are there like signs posted? Yep. So for conditional rezonings, we require the developer and applicant to do a mail out to everybody within a 200 foot buffer of the subject's property. Okay. And then we also require them to post a legal ad in the Gazette. And then we do the same thing for the uh, Board of Commissioners hearings. In terms of different hearings that you've had, and obviously COVID skews some of that, I'm sure, but was this one of the bigger projects in terms of like public engagement and and comments and and things? Absolutely. We have had uh, conditional rezoning cases where we go sit out on site and have the public information meeting and no one shows up and we all sit there and continue working on whatever else we've got with Mm. us. Um, But for this particular case, this was the first one that I've gone to that was on site that I had to walk because the parking was so backed up. Wow. Um, so, and it was down, we really went down a kind of one road entrance. Um, and so many people attended that the parking filled up that site, the one way entrance, and then a lot at the end of there. So we had to walk to get to the site and then we were all stuck in our cars waiting to leave because it was a <laughs> back out one at a time so everybody could leave. And that was just the first meeting. The second meeting we held at a um, conference room in one of the municipal buildings and it was just as packed. Wow. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So people were very interested. Very. But uh, that's good. What are they going to do? Are they going to incorporate the river into the development? Yeah, so their plan is to have kind of like a nature trail walk uh-huh. along the areas that are being preserved. Um, they can't do too much. It can't be a paved walk, obviously. Oh, okay. Um, it's going to be something that very much kind of coincides and matches the natural topography out there. Oh, perfect. What would you say is something that is probably a, a common misperception? What, what do people think you do that you actually don't do? As your job. I think people think we see the plans and we automatically say, that's great. And Mm. don't have a list of ordinances and regulations and different parties that we need to kind of coordinate with. Um, This came to us in December and we didn't take it before the board until March. So that kind of shows you how much time it takes to review Mm -hmm. these plans. And it's not a one-time review and we're done. I think this plan went through four or five different revisions Mm. before it finally got before the board of commissioners. 
Well, and there was something that was said, and I don't remember if it was Commissioner Fraley or which of the commissioners that said it, but there's basically the the developer can do certain things with the land under existing zoning. So it's not like if you take this plan to the board and the board says, well, we don't really like that and we're going to vote it down, it doesn't mean that the project's dead, right? Correct, correct. So there are things that you can always do with a piece of land that are by right. Um, in this case particular, by right would have been a little bit more restrictive to them as far as how many residential units they could put out. Um, but on the other side, the conditional zoning allows us to kind of what we say, what I like to say is it gets you a better project in the end hmm. because it's a discussion between um, the developers and the applicants team plus staff plus the residents and everybody gets a say as far as what they want. Um, so one of the big things that kept coming up was schools. Why aren't we building a school out there? Well, sure. that is not something that we can require. Ah. Um, so I think that's another kind of misconception that people think that we can require um, different levels of restrictions and different aspects that there are just, we are kind of bound by what the state allows us to require. Um, so the conversation piece that I was kind of getting to is, the um, developer did offer uh, land for a school, okay. but Gasson County Schools said, we don't want land up there. That is not going to be a great location for a school for us. So mm. again, one thing we could not require is even money from a developer to go towards schools. That's something that the developer offered by themselves because they do realize that there is going to be an impact. They are bringing in more residents. So they wanted to give some type of monetary help to Gaston County Schools to help with the schools that are already out there. Um, they did something similar with EMS, and they donated um, acreage for either a fire department or an EMS station or police station. Really, it was just more um, just land that could be Gaston County's to help with emergency services out there. So I'm thinking from the school's perspective, mm -hmm. particularly, it probably wouldn't make sense to preemptively build a school. That wouldn't be the best use of funding Correct. with the assumption that that there will be children to fill these schools. Yes. You would rather wait until you know there's going to be kids there or there's a huge need. And then, yeah, absolutely. That's probably going to be, that's going to make most sense for their funding. Mm -hmm. yeah. When we reached out to Gaston County Schools about this, they did say that their schools are in perfect shape to accept the amount of students that could come from this development. Oh, good. The yeah. existing schools are in good shape yes. for that? Oh, that's mm -hmm. great. That's, yeah. As a budget director, that... <laughs> That makes me feel good. <laughs> well, and it seems like that's a hard thing to do in government to be able to get out ahead of growth. Like, I mean, you, yes. you want to prepare for it and you want to plan for it, but it's really difficult to go and like, oh, I'm going to build a six lane road because eventually 10 mm -hmm. years down the road, this is going to be built out and we're going to need that. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I think some people would like us to be able to do that, but it's like, it's, it's darn yeah. near impossible. In a it lot of is, cases. it is. And that's something we say with traffic too. It's, you know, they always want us to widen the roads. We have to prove that that is required. So NCDOT will always have to do a study. Um, and we have a great partnership with the MPO that um, fortunately does all of those studies for us. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the job? Because you've now done a couple different things within that department. And there's been a lot of change over the last few years too, right? Yes, we have had a lot of change. Um, but when it comes down to it, my favorite part is I think working with the residents and working with the developers to really get a project that 
one makes sense, but is one that everybody can really be proud of. Um, that is why we love the conditional rezoning process so much because, yes, there's a bunch of things you can do that are by right, but when you have more people involved in the conversation, then you can really get a better project and a better product for the residents, for the county, um, and it's something that we can all kind of be proud of when you drive through an area and you have that ability to say, hey, I worked on that. That is a great feeling. Um, and you meet a lot of really cool people. Um, it's always interesting to see what brings people to Gaston County because, you know, growing up here, everybody's always saying like, oh, you're from Gaston County. Why? I'm like, well, why not? Come check it out now. It's a <laughs> lot different from what it was when we were here in middle school and in high school. Um, so meeting people from out of state, out of the county and figuring out why they want to be here is always a lot of fun. I've got to imagine it's almost not quite the same since you obviously have a small child that you're taking care of, but like each one of these projects, as you see it come to fruition, it's like, ah, I played a role in kind of helping foster that yes, and nurture that. Yes. Listen, I, so I came from the city of Belmont, which is where Jam Jamie came from too. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't come from there. Let me start that over. You I, were there for like six, six months. months. <laughs> you were there for a cup of coffee, Janet. I worked for the city of Belmont for six months. And in that time, I think I managed to permit like one or two signs. And every time I pass those signs, I'm like, I did that. <laughs> yes, I did that. exactly. It's a sense of pride. Like I had a hand in that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so anyway, Jamie, so... Um, I'm sure people, after they hear this, may have some more questions. Mm -hmm. How can they, can, do they reach directly out to you with those questions? Or? Yeah, they can reach out to me or anyone on our staff. Um, we're all familiar with this project. We all reviewed it a million times, it feels like. Um, but yeah, email, call, or just stop by the office, and we're always there. Cool. Anything else that's, that's on the horizon? Any other big things that you're working on that you can give us a little behind-the-scenes sneak preview of? I can or is tell that like you... you could tell me, but you have to kill me? Well, I was going to say, I can tell you we've had some conversations about bigger developments, mm. um, but no applications have been submitted. So we are kind of sitting on the edge of our seats waiting to see if um, this is, or this project particularly, Riverbend, is kind of a, a kickstart to more oh. projects in the area. Oh, that's so exciting. Now yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah. So there may be bigger things even yet to come. Yes. Awesome. If they apply, though, this all could just be. Well, yeah. <laughs> this all could just be people dreaming. Yeah. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, Jamie, thanks so much for, for coming in, for talking with us. Um, we appreciate all the work that you and your staff do. Um, it's great to learn a little bit more about the insight that goes into like putting one of these big projects together. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This thanks, was fun. <laughs> now playing from the Gaston County Communications Office a brand new documentary series, cold cases from police departments across the county, some going back more than 50 years. Join us as we breathe new life into these murders and missing persons cases. Maybe you have the very clue police need to turn these cases from cold to closed. Gaston Unsolved, new episodes monthly on demand for viewing on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. It's produced by the Gaston County Communications Office with hosts Janet Schaefer, D'Andrea Bradley, Elizabeth McGee, and Adam Gobb. Joshua Braswell serves as executive producer, and Gavin Stewart serves as field reporter and producer. Please like us and share reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts.
Next week, we interview two folks that have been interning with Hope United Survivor Network.